a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? I hope that brings back some memories for you. Pretty nostalgic. Um, so, two things that I've already made a mistake on. Um, <laughs> one is I think I broke Daniel's chair. I am a lot bigger than Daniel, so we're going to be putting this somewhere else. Um, the whole time I'm watching Mr. Rogers, I'm going, this chair is going to break in front of everybody, and I'm just going to be on the floor. <laughs> no, I don't need a chair. Thank you very much. Wife's worried about me. Um, the second thing is, in the announcements, I failed to mention something very important. Hank Berry was very kind to share with me something that I think is valuable to all of us. While we're tracking this storm, there is an app that if you haven't already downloaded on your phone, you probably should do that. And it is S-C-E-M-D, South Carolina EMD. And if you go onto your app store and place that in your phone, it'll give you all the updates and alerts for this area. So it is something that I thought was very helpful. Thank you, Hank, for... Uh, uh, sharing that. So, um, we're going to continue our series on uh, how to be a good neighbor, neighboring. And Mr. Rogers was such a great example of what that was like. So, I thought I'd come up with a few interesting facts about Mr. Rogers that you may or may not already know. First of all, who, who remembers or has heard about Mr. Rogers being in the military? I had heard that he was in the military, and uh, evidently that is not true. It's one of those things that are on the Internet. I thought everything on the Internet was true, but um, uh, according, <laughs> according to the other Internet site, it says it's not true. He's, um, he was not in the military. But here's some interesting things. Um, that promo, when he comes in and he starts singing, is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You, you, we always remember that he switches shoes, doesn't he? He takes off his dress shoes and put on the sneakers. It's because when they were filming it, they realized that his dress shoes were making too much noise during the filming. So he wanted to put on sneakers to, to uh, cut down on the noise. So that just became a part of the show every single time. The other thing that I thought was interesting is the sweaters that he, he wore. Uh, were, most of those were made by his mother. Um, so that was an interesting piece of, of uh, trivia there. Uh, we already know, uh, because Daniel had told us, that he was an ordained Presbyterian minister. He was ordained in 1962, and he started Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in 1968. So I thought that that was fascinating, that he was a minister, and this was the way that he chose to be in ministry through this great TV show. Um, this one was kind of interesting. Mr. Rogers didn't smoke or drink, and we could kind of see that, right? We wouldn't think that Mr. Rogers would do those. So... Um, or seemed to have any other major vices. He also stayed married to the same woman until his death, 47 years. About the only slightly scandalous thing Mr. Rogers seemed to do, which he revealed in an interview, 
was that he swam laps completely in the buff nearly every morning of his adult life at various clubs that allowed nude swimming at certain times of the day. Not sure you wanted that information, but I did find it interesting. At various clubs, not just one, he felt comfortable wherever they let him swim. Just go. Didn't want a bathing suit. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mr. Rogers got into TV because he first saw a TV show that had, quote, something horrible on it with people throwing pies at one another. He stated, I wanted to get in television because I hated it so. I thought there was, there was some way of using this fabulous instrument to be of nurture to those who would watch and listen. Throwing pies at each other. What, what do you think about some of the TV shows we have out there today? Being mean to each other. He, he, he didn't care about the fame. He saw it as a way to be nice. He saw a piece of technology that he said, let's make this something useful. Let's make something good out of this. And to me, that is what he decided his church should be. His church was something more than a building. We've always talked about that, right? That's, we, we take pride that we have a disco ball still up here right now because we are in a bar. Because the church isn't about the building it is about what you do. Mr. Rogers took the TV set and said, I don't like people throwing pies at each other. That's mean. I'm going to show people how to be nice to each other. And he made it his ministry for his whole adult life. Don't you also find it fascinating that Mr. Rogers is becoming cool? I, I loved Mr. Rogers. But there became a point in time that I didn't tell my friends that I was watching Mr. Rogers, right? Because he wasn't the coolest guy to watch. But all of a sudden... We're sitting there saying, Mr. Rogers was great. Look at the things that he tried to do. Look at the things that he, tr he became. Now, it's past his time, and we're, we're looking back on it. In fact, there's going to be a movie with Tom Hanks, I think, playing Mr. Rogers. That's, that's big-time stuff. And here we are looking back on his life saying, because he did it the right way, we're going, we, we do admire him. We admire his work because he wanted to be nice to each other. So we're going to have a little discussion today, and we're going to do um, Daniel's uh, sermon the best way we know how, and that is in a discussion format, because obviously um, Daniel has done such a fantastic job with his preaching. I, I tell you, I leave here on Sundays just excited about life, because Daniel has taken something, yes, please, he can take a movie. The Incredibles, uh, Winnie the Pooh, and we've done movies for years, but he can take those things and go, yes, that's what I want to do in life. That's what I want to be because he brought God into the particular situation. So today, I'm not going to try to be Daniel. I'm going to try to do our best of having a discussion with you. So I'm going to do my best impersonation of Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers would have a discussion with you, right? Now, nobody talked back to him, or if they did, they, he couldn't hear you, but he definitely had a discussion with people. Do you remember he would say things like, how do you think it would feel if somebody at school was not nice to you? Or how do you think it would feel if you were to reach out to somebody? And then he would go to an imagination. There were all these opportunities for him to have a discussion with you where you really started thinking about the question that he put into place. 
So that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to throw out some questions and think about it. I can't promise you I've got the answers. We'll ask Daniel next week when he, or actually two weeks. Neil will be preaching next week. But two weeks, he'll be back, and we'll ask him any of those questions that we come up with. But if I, we can get a lot of questions, I will put today into the, into the wind column, okay? All right. So before we start, let's go to prayer. Bow your heads, please. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for the beautiful day that Mr. Rogers sings about. We thank you um, for the congregation that uh, comes together to learn more about your world, your way. We thank you for the birth and the celebration of Hollis Kate Burbage that has um, brought so much joy already into our congregation, our church family, and the Burbage family. We look forward to being with her as she grows into, um, into another follower of Christ and another disciple that spreads your love. And um, all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To recap a couple of the... Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood um, sermon. So let's go back two weeks. Do you recall the big focus that we had around um, two weeks ago where it was, uh, who is your neighbor? Um, Love thy neighbor. Who is that person? It can be almost anybody, right? And we started thinking about, um, or he said this, and I love this, and I want my kids to remember, Ben and Sarah, remember this. Daniel said, Love is not a feeling, it is a choice. And I love that. It is a choice. You decide how you're going to love. Because if you're going to wait for the feeling all the time, you're not going to love very much. I'm not saying there's not some good feelings in there. But love is a choice. I recall one of the times where I wasn't being so um, loving. and, And I don't remember what. Lori and I were arguing about, but it must have been something very important because I can't remember anything about what we were arguing about. But it was one of those things where I decided I could outlast her by being quiet. You ever done that? I won't talk to her. I'll show her. Yep. And I went the rest of that day not saying a thing and got up the next morning and got my shower, went off to work, didn't say a thing. And I was like, I have broken a new personal record. This is fan. Fantastic. There's no way that she's going to be able to out-quiet me. And she was doing a pretty good job, too. She let me know she wasn't happy with me. Again, no idea what we were arguing about, but it was an argument that we decided that we're going to go a day and a half, nothing. And I came home, and I was like, all right, Jeff, get, get your game face on because you got to show her. you got to show her you can do it longer. And I did in the truck, and I was like, okay, I'm going to come out, and I am going to be quiet, and I'm going to go on and show her I can have a good day without even acknowledging existence. You know what she did? She took me up to a room where she had spent the day putting up posters of Corinthians. Love is. Whoa. Holy cow. Love was a choice because I was not lovable, but she decided to put that up. And you think about that, that's the wedding passages that we always hear, right? The Corinthians, um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily arranged. It keeps no records of wrongs. That has to be a choice because there was no feeling that I was giving her that made her say, I'm ready to love this person for acting that way. She had to decide that day that she was going to do something out of love. And, of course, it helped us get through that. But it was a decision. 
And I thought about that when Daniel was talking about that two weeks ago. Didn't you think that that was pretty profound? It is a decision. It is a choice. Then the next week, we, um, we talked about, um, oh, you remember the uh, story about the lady who uh, was able to touch Jesus' cloak? And what did Daniel talk about there? He said it was an interruption. And how we get interrupted in our life daily. And how we dread those interruptions instead of looking at them as a gift from God. So many gifts are given to us, and we just want to blow by them, don't we? I think about the uh, book... um, Prayer of Jabez. Show of hands, who's read Prayer of Jabez? Do you remember at the beginning of that how you talk about the fictional character that goes to heaven? He goes to heaven, if I got the right book. He goes to heaven, (laughs) and he's being shown around. And this fictional character is being able to see all the wonders and splendor of heaven. And he says, what's that building over there? He said, well, don't worry about that. That's not on the tour Let me show you all the great things that are in heaven. And the more that he thought about it, he goes, why wouldn't they show me? It's heaven. Why wouldn't they show me everything? What's wrong with that building? He goes, well, if you've got to know, um, that's a warehouse. And that's a warehouse of all the blessings God wanted to give you while you are on earth, but you ignored them. And that made a big impact to me. How many lessons and how many gifts did God want to give us on every single day, but we don't want to be interrupted? So, Today, we're going to take the third part of this series, and we're going to move into how Mr. Rogers um, teaches us to be a good neighbor, but what does Jesus and God say about being a neighbor, and how does that mean uh, we can be impacted as a church? How can we take those gifts, how can we make the choice, and how are we going to be the best neighbor that God wants us to be? When we um, started this off, uh, Daniel, if, I mean, um, Barry, if you'll pull up that first scripture of Psalm. Mr. Rogers was coming in singing, it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And he sang that every single time, and he had a smile on his face. And he believes it. But some days I don't wake up thinking that it's a beautiful day. No matter what the weather says outside, I don't believe that. But those are some gifts that we are able to, first of all, why is it beautiful? It is beautiful because it is a day that the Lord has made. We had a preacher at Pope Avenue, Clark Jenkins, who almost every sermon he got up, I know Juanita knows what I'm getting ready to say, almost, yeah, you too, every time he'd get up, he'd say, it is a great day. This is the door, a day that the Lord has made. Uh, he woke me up in my right mind, and he put a song in my mouth. And that was how he started his sermon. And if you think about it, it is a day that the Lord has made. When we look at um, the psalm, what makes your neighbor beautiful? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The world is beautiful because God made the world. It is beautiful everywhere. It doesn't mean if you're talking about the ocean, or if you're talking about the mountains, or you're talking about desert, or you're talking about rolling hills, it is beautiful for God made it. Now, the world, a man can come in and make it not so beautiful in places. 
But the world itself is a beautiful place, and we need to remember that that's the establishment that we start with. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful day because God has made it a beautiful day. In your GPS, there's some fill-in-the-blanks. I hope we have an answer key. <laughs> um, the two, two blanks um, in your GPS, blank and blank. What and where is the beauty in the community? And so when we think about our church here and why we've tried to expand and why we're trying to make it a little bit different is we're trying to attract people that haven't seen beauty in the church before. But they see something beautiful about this church. Something about the people and the hospitality here and the, and the desire to worship and learn and serve to where they want to be a part of it. And so when you think about what is the beauty in our community, it is us. We are the hope. It is the people of God that can be the beauty. beauty. And even in some of those places where we're talking about, well, man could go in there and mess it up a little bit and make it not so beautiful, there are beautiful people in those places. And we get to be those beautiful people. Where is anywhere you are? You may work in one community and live in the other. I work on Hilton Head, and I live in Bluffton. But when we go on vacation, we're part of that community, and we need to be part of that shining light, whatever community we're in. I think about um, a, a, a person that told me one time that we've got to be the reflection of the love of Jesus. And I said, well, that sounds pretty profound, and he went a little bit further, and I thought it sounded really good, so I'm going to share it with you. Almost everything I do is something else that I've learned from somebody else, something I've learned from somebody else. He said, do you know that the love of Jesus is so bright, it's like looking into the sun? You can't look into the sun too long. The love of Jesus is so big, you can't define it. You can't just say, this is, how, this is where Jesus' love ends. That's as much as he has because it doesn't end. It is as powerful as the brightness of the sun. He said, but we can be the moon. We can be the reflection of Jesus' love to the world. Because we can't look straight into the sun but we can look at these beautiful moons. And then he said, Jeff, you get to decide. You want to be a big full moon or you want to be a little sliver of a moon? And that's the decision that we get to make every single day. And that's the decision of love is not a feeling. It is a choice. So when we look at what and where we are of the beauty of Christ and in the community, those are some ways that we can do it. We can be the reflection of Jesus' love, and we get to decide what moon we're going to be on it, on it every single day. Let's go into the next passage, uh, Barry. So we get to be that reflecting light, and we get to make disciples out of Christ where is that? Where do we move to next? Let's read Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I'll read. You can read along. How do you make disciples in your neighborhood? Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is considered the uh, Great Commission. Go back to the beginning of that for me, Barry. Um, here's something that reached, touched me when he says in 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. This gives me a lot of um, comfort because through my life, I don't know about you, but there's been times where I'm not, I'm not 100% on my walk. And sometimes I'm the one that doubts. Sometimes I'm scared about those next steps. Especially when I feel like that I'm supposed to be evangelizing and bringing people to Christ. Because that sounds like a big opportunity for me to fail. But what I love about this is that he doesn't go back and um, tell them that you're you're not a good person because you doubted. In fact, I would say that there's times where I, I don't know many people that haven't at some point in their life doubted something about faith. But I hope that that doubt gets us back on the track of trying to figure out what we do next and, and learn more about Jesus' love for us. When we see that they said they, some doubted, what does Jesus say at the end? Can you go to the end of that passage for me, Barry? There we go. And surely I am with you always. What I like about that is that when I doubt, he understands that. He knows I'm going to doubt. But he's with me. And in fact, when I feel like I'm supposed to be a, a good person like Mr. Rogers, or if I feel like I'm supposed to be a good person that's going out into the mission field, if I just pray and say, God, you know that I have doubts, it starts my conversation with God on a great, honest level. It puts me into a position where all of a sudden now, he already knows that about me. <laughs> I'm not hiding anything from him. He knows that I doubt. But it gives me the release of saying, but I know that you say when I doubt, you will be with me when I go into the mission fields and I try to make disciples of Christ. That sounds like a big responsibility, doesn't it? But it's done just by being who you are because God made you for that. He understands that we doubt. He understands that he will shed his love through you. He will be there with you when you get into the opportunity to make disciples of Christ. Well, we're going to go to the next verse, and that is Luke 14, 15 through 24. And this one's a little bit longer, but I'll, I'll try to read it quickly. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the fe feast. Go back real quick. <laughs> In the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all 
alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So go back to the beginning for me, Barry. So what we have here is one of Jesus' parables. And at first, you have somebody sitting down with him saying, um, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So you've got somebody sitting down saying, we're going to be blessed because we're going to be with God, aren't we? I mean, we're going to all sit down and eat at God's table. This is going to be a huge blessing for us. And maybe he was talking about the Jewish people. Maybe he was talking about the people that were doing it the right way. But as Jesus always does, he doesn't just answer with yes or no. He goes into this parable. And this parable is about somebody that's inviting people to a huge banquet. And when he invites people, they come up with some great excuses, don't they? Some great excuses about why it can't be done. In fact, they're probably pretty lousy excuses. But the person says, go out and find the poor and the blind and the sick and bring them in. So who is it that he is referring to when he says the, the person that's giving this banquet? He's talking about God, right? Don't we think? And when he says, go out and find the poor and the, the blind and the sick, he's saying, go out and find people that need this. Find people that are needing what we have here because they will come. And I love thinking about this because my understanding is that we all need it. But some of us get very comfortable in our daily lives and we say, well, that sounds great, but, you know, I've got some other things I'd like to tend to right now. And he's, he's upset because he's offering something now. The question was, when we get to heaven, we'll all be blessed and eat at the table, right? Do we have to wait till we get to heaven to get some of those gifts that God wants us to have? He loves us. He wants us to have some of those gifts today. Are we coming up with good excuses of why today is not important? Why we don't have to go to the festival? Why we don't have to accept that invitation? That invitation is an invitation to everybody. Everything I've learned about the Bible is that it is, it is to everyone. It's up to us how we respond to that invitation. It says that there's plenty of room when it's all said and done, even when they bring in everybody. What does he tell them? Go out and get more. Go out and get more. We've got room here. I think that's something that we get the opportunity to do is go out and find more. And maybe if somebody's already in a good church family, 
we're looking for the person that has been told by the church that they're not welcome, that they're not invited. We need to be a little bit different, like Mr. Rogers was with his TV show. We don't have to be the normal church that says, well, once you believe like we are, you can come into our doors and sit down, and we're going to all be happy together. It's to everybody. And sometimes you've got to meet them where they are. You don't wait till they come into the door. We've got to go out into the community and tell them about the good news. And it can be done in different ways. Um, Sarah, Sarah here, um, not my daughter, Sarah. She told me about a great church that started in Waco, Texas. She said she was, she was in Texas and that this pastor started going to this underpass. And at this underpass, there was a, a, a group of homeless people. And he would go there and preach. And more people would come. And more people would come. And now on every Sunday, they are averaging over 300 people coming to that underpass for his preaching. That's not a building. That's going out to them. That's finding a place. And 300 people, they don't even want to build a church. They've been asked, why don't you build a church? They don't even want one. Because they are going to where the need is. And that gives us hope and opportunity. So when Mr. Rogers is out there using his platform to say, let's be nice to everybody, we get that platform every single day. We don't have to wait till we come to church to be nice to people. In fact, the world could use a lot more of that and Mr. Rogers' attitude and less of the church telling people which people are allowed to come in and which people aren't. Because as far as I know, Jesus would want to hang out with all of us. That's, that's my understanding. So let me um, give you a, a quote as we finish here from Mr. Rogers that... Um, that I thought was fantastic. If you could only sense how important you are to the lives of those people you meet, how important you can be to the people you may never even dream of, there is something of yourself you leave at every meeting with another person. There's something of yourself that you leave with the meeting of every person. I am so thankful that my Christian walk, even started late in life, has at least moved me into the direction of understanding how much God loves me. My, my daughter and I were teasing about how quickly I could make this sermon. And um, we said, well, we could go out there and say, you should love Jesus because Jesus loves you. Amen. And that would be about what we, we that would sum it all up. But I wanted to make sure I got through <laughs> what Daniel <laughs> Daniel's outline showed. <laughs> But I am so thankful that we belong to a Christian family that is interested in others, that is interested in reaching out, is interested in the people that are not in this building but are outside this building. We just get to come here and recharge our batteries every Sunday because it helps me with my walk in Christ. 